I started from the beginning all the time when I build a new application. And I did all these things again and again and again and, and wasted days on doing that. Um, I thought, okay, it has to be easier because I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. So I tried to build something that is generic enough so that I could reuse it on other projects, but saves me a lot of time. And then I realized, okay, maybe that is something that is interesting for other people because uh, they probably have the same problem. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to the installment of Jamstack Radio on the line. We had Jonathan Vilka. Thanks for reaching out. I'm happy to have you on the, the show. Uh, do you want to introduce the, the audience to who you are? Who's Jonathan? Yeah, first of all, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I'm Jonathan, and I am a full-stack developer from Germany. And I'm also the founder of Superstarter, which is probably one of the topics we're going to talk about today. And I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, so you're a full-stack developer. Did you go to school, or did you work as an engineer prior? How did you sort of pick up the trade? Uh, both, actually. Uh, I studied uh, something related to computer science, basically a combination of computer science and uh, graphic design. Um, so that's a very good base, actually, for web development because you get both sides. And then I have been working for now four years as a uh, full-stack developer. Um, currently, I am a software architect as a full-time job and doing Superstar as my side project. So um, trying to Grow a little indie hacker project there. Excellent. I mean, I guess let's talk about Superstarter. Um, <laughs> uh, I had seen it on Twitter. You had reached out after I already was aware of it, so I was super pleased to reach out and mm-hmm. invite yourself on the podcast. Which, uh, folks, if you want to invite yourself on the podcast, you know, hit us up, uh, Jamstack Radio on Twitter. But yeah, please tell us what Superstarter. What's what's the what's the elevator pitch? Now there there are basically two answers to that question because one is what it currently is, and one is what we're currently working on um, pivoting it into. The first thing is what it is right now. Um, it is basically a starter kit, a starter template or a boilerplate for a SaaS applications. So uh, it saves you time when you start a SaaS application because it's code base that has all that basic functionality already included, like authentication, internationalization, um, mail templates, billing and subscriptions and so on. And so you can save that time building that or reinventing the wheel because that's basically everything just is there and you just have to pass in your credentials. And the second part is um, what we're currently building it into because uh, it's not going to be only that starter template, but rather a ecosystem of products around getting you uh, to start your SaaS faster and easier. So we're expanding the uh, boilerplate that it currently is to um, more uh, ecosystems like the Vue ecosystem with Nuxt and also uh, later on a mobile starter template and also all the tools you need around starting a SaaS like templates for a landing page, you know, ready to use components and all that stuff uh, just to make it a much, much easier for you to uh, build and code your SaaS. Yeah, I, I want to move into the ecosystem, but before we jump into that, mm-hmm. I want to talk about like why. Why did you, why did you build this? Now, actually, it was um, out of my own need um, because I uh, run a small indie hacker um, company or basically I'm a freelancer uh, where we do client projects and 
like I started from the beginning all the time when I build a new application and I did all these things again and again and again and, and wasted days on doing that. Um, I thought, okay, it has to be easier because I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. So I tried to build something that is generic enough so that I could reuse it on other projects, um, but saves me a lot of time. And we did that for our own projects. And then I realized, okay, maybe that is something that is interesting for other people because uh, they probably have the same problem. And then I just put it online and actually it was it was just an experiment. Like in the beginning, I didn't really think about making much money. So personally, I said, when I, when this thing makes me $1,000, this is a really big success. And then suddenly people started buying it and, and started especially giving feedback on it. And, and then from there on, that just took off. And uh, right now we have like over 60 or nearly 70 indie hackers and companies using um, Superstarter for their business or to start their business, and we're really excited where we can take this. Yeah, and like the current ecosystem, so I, I see that Superstarter, like it, it's made up of Next.js and, and Superbase. Yeah. Uh, what other options are there? I guess we could talk about today, and then we could talk about what's coming too as well. Yeah. Currently, it's it's all around um, a very serverless focused stack um, with Superbase uh, as the, the the backend as a service. Um, like it's used for authentication and the database and also storage, uh, if you want to do that. And then, of course, Next.js as the front end and back end framework or the framework for the application. And then we have some some tools pulled in there, like you know Stripe for billing and uh, some libraries for forums, internationalization, and so uh, stuff like that. And then it's hosted or it's made basically to be hosted on Vercel because that works perfectly with, with Next.js. So everything works serverless. Like you can scale your application to, to millions of users um, without having to do anything and without having to manage any servers. And um, this is where I think the real power of this and all this Gemstack and serverless stuff uh, comes into play because now you're actually able to build an application for thousands or millions of users as one individual. Like in the early days, you had to be able to manage your own service, know what engine X is yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that stuff. Um, you know, you, you, you never were really uh, secure because, I mean, you had to do DevOps and, and database management and all that stuff. And nowadays you can just use your graphical UI for, you know, setting up your database connect your Next.js front into it and put that on Vercel and everything's there and, and working great. Yeah, and it's like the, so I've been doing this for for quite some time and I've seen like the, the, the so I started around like the Ruby on Rails days is when I actually mm -hmm. professionally became an engineer. So we saw very similar structure where you had these templates and you could generate based on server-side rendered applications that were running in Ruby and Django was Python and there was also obviously some Node stuff as well back in the day and then we saw the sort of separation of concerns, which is why we have this show called Jamstack. And what's exciting about this is that you're able to get people like hit the ground running as fast as possible, but like, your focus on serverless infrastructure and technologies yeah. uh, is also pretty valuable because then you don't actually have to pay, especially if it's a, if it's a SaaS that's just getting started. Uh, so you remember you mentioned like like sixty or seventy folks, yeah. like even your project's just getting started, so yeah. you're not paying for tons of infrastructure costs for less than 100 users like now you can get product market fit and when you hit that product market fit you can actually 
maybe taking way more revenue to be prepared to when you do have to reach for a server or not even a server. Like exactly. I think with um, folks like Clerk and actually even Superbase, they have a very expressive free tier. So until you hit a thousand or five thousand on Clerk, I don't know. Superbase does. I think it's eight terabytes or eight gigabytes. I remember. I don't remember what the actual limit is before you have to call them and get an enterprise plan. But yeah. it's up there. Yeah. I actually wrote an article on how to start your SaaS with this stack for free. Like yeah. when you when you have all the free tiers, uh, you can completely run that and and get product market fit before you actually have to pay anything. So that's yeah. that's a really cool thing about these services. Yeah, and this is a I mean it's a it's a common movement too as well because um, I don't know if you do you mentioned indie hackers. Um, mm-hmm. Are you part of the indie hacker movement? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and like this is uh, in particular like the I know there's like a, a place where you can sort of showcase mm-hmm. your work. Yeah, can you explain like the indie hacker community, like what that is? Yeah, sure, sure. So I think uh, everyone has its own definition of what an indie hacker is, but for me, it's basically someone who tries to uh, grow a business from zero, like many call that bootstrapping too and not try to get funding uh, immediately, uh, but rather try to see what they can do yeah, as an individual and, and how they can scale this thing up slowly. And most of them uh, do this with one very nice goal, which is to, to essentially get freedom to maybe uh, leave their job and, and do this as a full-time thing. And an additional thing or a very interesting thing about it is this whole build in public movement. Like uh, many of them, including myself, share their journey on platforms like Twitter or even the the indie hacker community. And that includes things like, you know, the the learnings from the daily things that actually come up. Like for me, it's the first time that I actually have a a, a business on my own uh, and do all that marketing stuff and communicate with customers and, and that stuff. And all the learnings of that I share on Twitter so that uh, maybe other people can learn from that too. And it also includes things like, uh, you know, sharing the revenue, uh, how things are going, maybe that actually revenue is decreasing or something, or what you do when it's decreasing uh, to get back up and, and so on. And I think that's a very interesting thing because the people there are so supportive. Um, it's incredible. They give you feedback on, you know, I, I just posted the other day, uh, just posted, here's the new landing page draft for uh, Superstarter. Uh, what do you think about this? And they say, oh, yeah, we maybe uh, put that a little bit differently. I think that's not so clear. And you basically get feedback for free from potential customers or, or uh, often real experts uh, in, in their area. And that's uh, a very powerful uh, thing and enables you essentially as an individual to start a business. And some of them make even very good money with that and, and we're able to leave their jobs because of that. Yeah. I mean, having community part of like the onboarding process as developers, onboarding process as a founder, like that's pretty valuable. Uh, yeah. So like the the platform of indie hackers I know exists. I don't spend a lot of time there because I don't consider myself an indie hacker. Hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of folks that I've seen grow careers in like, like gain influence just based on the knowledge that they share, which mm. is pretty powerful to like share your your revenue publicly in a spreadsheet on Twitter. And I think um, I know it's Levels IO. Um, yeah, he's one of the one of the big guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like one of the uh, the OGs that I remember. Sort of like I don't know if he started the movement, but he started the uh, sort of build a new project every month for a year. Yeah, and like one of the most popular ones was the Nomad List, mm. uh, which actually. 
I never used it to like go to a country, but I would use the list just to see, you know, what it's like out there. Yeah. But yeah, just like having an idea and like seeing if it works. Uh, so like if you have a SaaS idea or if you're working for customers or clients, it seems like pretty paramount to have structure yeah. to, again, hit the ground running yeah. and, and deploy projects uh, so that way you can have multiple clients and customers. But then you also have a framework to go debug applications um, and understand where the industry is moving as far as like technology goes. So like having your boilerplate, mm-hmm. I see on your, your site, you, you offer, there's a price associated to it. So yes. uh, what are folks getting when you pay for it? And is there, is it only a paid template? Yes, it is. It's only a paid template. Uh, um, and what they get is um, basically they get access to the repository so they can use the code for as many projects as they want. They will get updates like typical things like package updates, uh, maintenance, bug fixes, and also new features. And that's what we're currently heavily working on to, to bring new features, new new modules to this boilerplate. And they're also getting support out of it. You know, we have a private uh, Discord channel where um, we are all the all the developers in there who use uh, Superstarter for this as they are very active in there. They exchange about problems, about ideas. And, you know, if, if there are uh, bugs or uh, if someone needs support, um, of course, I as the main maintainer are uh, there to, to help them. Very cool. So I imagine that the, the repo itself is closed source. Like, how do you handle the licensing? Yes. I'm curious about the licensing for like starter kits and, and software. Are you using like packages or? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a very very interesting thing because uh, I I've been asked by uh, others who want to do the same thing. You know, they they said, okay, I have a starter template here that I want to sell, but I don't know how to do it, or uh, I'm I'm afraid that if I just put it inside a private repo, then someone is going to share that code, and of course that is uh, a. <laughs> fear that that I can understand and the danger that is actually there. But so far I've made very good experience with that because people are just, you know, they, they know uh, what they pay for because for them, it's a very valuable thing and they don't just give it to, to anyone else because they would be probably stupid to, to just give that away for free. But yeah, like there is no guarantee that, that your code is not shared by anyone. Yeah, this, this is true. And there's, um, what you're offering is a secret sauce for folks to get started quickly yes. and have maybe if you're, if you are also an indie dev, you don't have a full team for folks to maintain dependencies and keep, yeah, exactly. keep things up to date. Yeah. Uh, so if you secure yourself by purchasing the template and having that maintenance <laughs> included as part of the process, yeah. then you're able to go and start multiple projects without the fear of, man, I have to maintain 20 different clients and yeah, if the template itself or the libraries get a bug, you have to go and ship the same update and license uh, in twenty different places. So, like, yeah. I guess I, I see where the, the value is coming from. And you mean you have to for for most of them, it's an investment. Like they think it's currently the price is uh, three hundred uh, euros, and like when you think about the usual hourly rate for a for a web developer, that's not even two hours. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I mean, for most of them, that's that's more of worth it so <laughs> yeah and have you used remix in the past 
No, I, I'm, I'm really sad I haven't, um, but I, I actually want to do it. And, and when I get some more uh, time after the big refactoring currently, uh, I was also going to look into Remix and maybe offer a version for that too. And I think some of the, or, or most of the parts could actually be reused, like all the components, they, because Remix is also built on React. You could reuse most of the components there. Yeah, I, I bring up Remix because Remix had another, a similar model uh, where it was a paid license to use Remix, mm-hmm. the actual framework itself. Uh, I share that because I, I worked at GitHub when Remix launched, and Remix was one of the other folks that they reached out, uh, the GitHub packages team reached out to because mm-hmm. instead of worrying about your your code basically floating around in private repos everywhere, yeah. uh, if you attach it to a GitHub package and you get access to the GitHub packages and share licenses that way, mm-hmm. it was a thing that um, the team explored, the Remix team got on board, uh, and then a year later, they open sourced it, mm-hmm. and they yeah. I think at that point they took funding, so they open sourced their project instead. Yeah, but it'd be interesting, like if there was a in the same like probably a, another another podcast in the future or another n- another sprint for you. Um, <laughs> but there's probably a way to distribute licenses in, in software uh, in a way to provide templates because I know the Tailwind team, uh, the UI template library as well. Um, that was a paid license software. Yeah. As well, I think they they were doing it very similar to what you're doing. Yeah. So they never had like the sophisticated management of licenses and and access. Yeah. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? For now, I'm I'm actually fine. But uh, you're right that that might uh, be a good thing to look into in the future uh, to have that a little bit more, yeah, secured. Um, but what we're also uh, thinking about is to bring those not not everything into one code base, but actually more into modules. Uh, and so we we sell individual modules, uh, and so you just get access to the modules that you want and, and have the code base in there. But uh, what I'm curious about is how do they then uh, license this this code which is which you basically have on your on your disk? Yeah. Um, how how do they secure that? I don't actually remember the the license they use uh, in Remix in, in particular because mm-hmm. I think they've they've moved them to something, whatever express it. They got acquired by Shopify. So they're in a whole nother journey. Yeah. But yeah, there's some clever things. I don't think a lot of people realize when it comes to like GitHub and GitHub enterprise, mm-hmm. like if you're an enterprise, you have access in, in tracking to see what happens on your software for every machine that's been cloned, oh, really? which is why you would choose GitHub enterprise. Uh, but then we have the self hosted stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's built into the software, um, which is, uh, I don't want to call out specific companies that are that are customers of GitHub, uh, <laughs> but the idea is like so. I, I don't know the context of licensing software and distributing through packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a problem like folks like NPM are, are solving. But as a engineering manager or a founder, you would choose like a GitHub Enterprise because then you could track or remote wipe yeah. software or basically updates. Yeah. So, like GitHub Enterprise, you have to you you pay for the next update, and that's how software was what 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in order to keep your your code bug free, uh, they have to come back and update from the latest pull from the latest version. That's actually the case for Superstarter too, because like if you give the code away uh, to someone who hasn't ac- who doesn't have access to the to the repository, he will get that state of the code, but. Of course, we we push updates every uh, few days, or or maybe bug fixes and so on. And those are of course not given to the to the users who just copied that code base. Yeah. So at least then in in that uh, point, we we got 
a little bit security. <laughs> yeah, and there's a there's probably something here in this conversation. So like I'm, I'm coming out of uh, the world of uh, I'm I'm running a, a VC back startup. Yeah, and it's like super starters. Like it's a very good good idea for the indie hackers, but the keeping the product up to date is actually probably a whole another startup. Yeah, um, exactly. And like a whole another pipeline and solution. So. But I feel like that could be a whole other podcast. Uh, I do want to go back to the superstarter. Like, if there's anything else you wanted to mention about what you have on the roadmap, what's uh, what's coming, I guess coming down the pipeline that we haven't touched yet. Yeah. So the, the latest things we're working on uh, and and very close to ship are uh, two completely new versions of the boilerplate or starters template. Um, one for Next.js. So um, that's a complete rewrite with the new app router and um, also more modular so that you can um, basically, th- that you're not that dependent on Superbase anymore. I mean, many of, of our customers really love Superbase and they, they uh, want to have it included. And so you can, of course, use it if you want, but it will be uh, that modular that you can uh, easily switch out the database to use, I don't know, PlanetScale or a self-hosted database or whatever, because we use Prisma as our uh, ORM. And the same boilerplate will be available for Nuxt. So we expand to the uh, view ecosystem. Um, and also, um, uh, I'm preparing some uh, templates, um, like single uh, individual uh, landing page templates that you can uh, purchase uh, independently of SuperSouter. So that's where this whole ecosystem starts to grow slowly. I hope to, to launch them uh, within the next week. So Really excited to push something new there. Cool. Sounds good. Well, uh, thanks so much uh, for coming on, Jonathan, and talking about Superstarter. I do want to transition us to picks. So these will be jam picks, anything that we've been uh, basically jamming on. What gets us up in the morning mm-hmm. could be music, food, technology-related. Everything's on the table. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'll go first. Sure. I've got two picks. Uh, first pick is a book I've been reading. Uh, so uh, I'm, I've am i Got folks on the team who are engineering, and I've moved away from full-time engineering to mm-hmm. now be product lead, sales lead, customer success. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun because I, I get to now learn more about product and understand stuff that I've like seen but never really paid attention to, like OKRs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a book called Radical Focus. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all about how, like, what are the purpose of OKRs, where they came from, yeah. what are bad OKRs, like how do you set up OKRs for success and how do you keep the team on track? And uh radically focused. Um, so highly recommend anybody who's like starting something or if you work on a team and you're an engineer, like it's probably great to, if you're big enough, think about how the work you do impacts the OKR. So yeah. if you want to do a whole rewrite uh, from JavaScript to TypeScript, or if you want to rewrite your CSS module, whatever, <laughs> ask the question of like how that impacts the OKRs. And if the OKR is like, we could speed up development, like that's a good key result uh, to go with your objective, which is like, you know, product market fit or whatever, whatever your your objective is. But I've been inspired by this book, and I, I highly recommend people pick it up. Radical focus. Putting it on my reading list here. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I, honestly, at your your point uh, where you are with your, your product, it would be yeah super helpful, very valuable. I mean, this is especially important for indie hackers, right? Because yes. uh, if you don't have a team, it's even more important to focus on on certain things and and having. Uh, like the the OKRs to um, actually s- see what is the most important thing you have to focus on right now is is uh, really valuable. Exactly. The other thing I was going to mention is we have a Chrome extension for open source, which is my daytime job. It's been a fun little side project to build a Chrome extension. So yeah, search open source in the Chrome store. Uh, we're adding some extra features on GitHub, uh, sort of like refine GitHub is another project that's a Chrome extension. 
it's been fun to, I've actually never built a Chrome extension. I don't know, Jonathan, have you built a Chrome extension before? Just a very, very basic one, just to see how it actually works. And it's, it's actually very easy, right? It's just HTML and JavaScript. Yeah. So I, I expected it to be more complex. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's extremely rewarding because, yeah, it's just like kind of how the web was 10 years ago. You just bundle it and you've got to index that HTML and then like yeah. get a manifest file to creep all your your sort of um, title and, and avatars and stuff like that. And yeah, pretty straightforward. Uh, currently working with two interns for the summer. Uh, at open source, and mm-hmm. we've we've already built the extension. Now we're just adding fun stuff like AI to it. So, cool. um, going to do some pretty cool stuff with our data and putting it on the page. AI is everywhere. <laughs> uh, you, you have to try it. It's a. Uh, it's- By the way, also in, interesting to 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 notice, we are also uh, uh, have a, a, a AI integration in work um, by a friend of mine. So uh, that's coming to Superstarter too. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, AI has become the fun weekend project. Uh, I question how many of these AI startups will be around in a couple of years. Yeah. But for have, having like enhancing the experience uh, for your customers and developers, definitely worth trying out. It'll be around. Yeah. It might be super expensive though in like the next year. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> cool. You have any picks for us? Yeah, I have uh, one nice pick, um, which is um, related to the topic we've been talking about uh, a lot, which is indie hacking. And it's a book, one of my favorite books uh, on that topic um, by one of the most popular guys in the in the business, um, which is Arvid Kahl. His podcast is called The Bootstrap Founder, but the book is called Zero to Sold. Okay. Um, yeah, very good, very good book. And um, I've learned a lot from that, so I can only recommend that to everyone who wants to start their own journey. Excellent. Well, appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing your journey with us. And for folks who want to start their journey, check out the podcast. Check out Superstarter too as well. Uh, I, I definitely was like trying a lot of these templates and uh, these other tools a couple of years ago when I was building like a bunch of side projects during the pandemic. And yeah, for someone who wasn't day-to-day coding for my previous day job, uh, I was doing developer relations. Like mm-hmm. I always wanted to keep up to up to date and up to speed, and this would try something pretty quickly, like Remix and stuff like that back in the day. So uh, I will keep this on my list of things to try, and uh, hope folks that are listening will do the same. Keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 